Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is contacttalkradio.com. Consciousness in action and you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to You Are What You Love, your window into the future of spirituality. We're going to talk to you about your life and the evolution of your soul while we bring alive the essence of eternal truth. So here is your host, the author of You Are What You Love, Waishali. April Fools, it's not with Shally, it's Mary Helen. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of You Are What You Love. Uh, with Shally is off doing wonderful things teaching uh, this weekend. So I am here and joined by who could be better than Curtis Childs to fill in uh, while Shally is gone because he is an expert on all things Emanuel Swedenborg. And as we all know, with Shally, claims to be the girlfriend of the departed Emanuel Swedenborg, and we love him, and we love everything about him and everything he has to say. So, Curtis, I am so glad to welcome you to the show, and um, can't wait to, to stir up an interesting conversation about uh, Mr. Swedenborg. Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me. How's everything going in your part of the world? Really good. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm out on the, the East Coast, and... Spring came a little bit late this year, but we're finally getting a couple days where, where, you know, it's warm enough to not have a coat on outside. It, it makes a huge difference, so I'm pumped about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whereabouts are you on the East Coast, Curtis? Uh, Philadelphia area. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Philadelphia. So, I, mean, I flew out of there a couple of weeks ago, and the plane nearly blew off the runway. It was so windy. Yep. Yeah, I was actually coming back into town. Um, and our flight was delayed because there was a plane on the runway. It had some problems. So, yeah, I mean, the, the weather's yeah. been really intense. That could have been me. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, I don't know, maybe it was. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it was just um, just a lot to deal with. And usually I don't want to talk a ton about the weather, but I did, I was just really noticing that, like, man, does it feel good to to just have it be warm and everything is growing. And and I get to, like, recently made a short video about flowers and just because I was inspired by their growth. And it just, sometimes it really does um, make a lot of difference. So that that's that's going on for me. And then uh, everything else is good. Um, my I have a dog, and we just figured out, uh, how to, taught him how to run beside a bike while we're biking, which is an awesome development oh. because, because <laughs> then we can bike and he can get a lot better exercise than when we're walking. So... That, to me, is a big deal. So all, all is well for me. Thanks. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. Well, over here in Ireland, we talk about nothing but the weather. Yeah. Um, and I'm like you, I guess, being from the States, and because it's not usually the center of the topic of all conversations like it is here, um, I try to refrain from it. But we've had a fantastic uh, last couple of days here because um, where it's been exceptionally cold on the East Coast, 
mm-hmm. has been exceptionally rainy even for Ireland here. Wow. Um, so to have these um, days of sunshine is great. My children are ecstatic because they got out of school at 12 o'clock today and we're on Easter break. Wow. So two weeks of waking up to your own body clock. That is what I said, what are you guys most excited about? And that's the answer they gave back. And I was like, wow, you've really been listening to your mother. Um, the idea of not having to wake up with an alarm is just my my little bit of heaven because yeah. um, I have never in all of my 45 years gotten used to the idea of having to be artificially awakened. Um, yeah. It just – yeah, it, it works against everything I stand for, and I fight it daily. <laughs> it was the worst thing about high school, I felt like, was was getting up in the morning. It just, like, it's really brutal, especially when you're younger, but it doesn't really get that much easier as you get older. No, it doesn't. And try waking up in high school, and your dad is the headmaster. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you got the, clock, the alarm clock and your father going there. <laughs> so... Curtis, um, as I said before, um, we all know anybody who is is uh, close to V and loves her dearly knows that she is just um, such a great fan of the incredible works of Emanuel Swedenborg. And as I mentioned, you are an expert in her eyes on all things Swedenborg. So how about just tell us a little bit, give us a little background for any new listeners um, as to how that came to be. Um, and then I want to ask you some questions about some, some things you've been working on lately. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that she thinks I'm an expert. It's, it's hard to be an expert in Swedenborg because there's, there's so much material. Uh, just as, I mean, just as far as the person Swedenborg goes, he was um, sort of, a, you could call him like a Renaissance man, you know, kind of at the, the tail end of that, where he was a, a scientist uh, living in, in Sweden in the 1700s, or late 1600s, early 1700s. And he was uh, multi-talented and was really kind of at the top of, of all fields in Europe at, at the height of his career. You know, he was doing all kinds of work with uh, the mining industry. He was uh, an anatomist, a botanist, a chemist, all, all kinds of stuff. He had made discoveries in astronomy, um, was just you know, doing all this publishing, and was you know, a celebrity on some levels in, in Europe because of his accomplishments, like the the newspaper would say, oh, Swedenborg came to town, you know, so doing really well for himself uh, on some levels, but uh, in his mid-50s, he started to have the, a, a major change in his whole life, and it began with dreams. Um, he, he actually has a recorded dream journal where he, he records his dreams and then sort of looks at them for symbolism and, and insight into the meaning of them. And this was actually, you know, a long time before there was Freud or Jung or, or modern dream analysis. So, but he's doing that back then. And his dreams started to get uh, more and more vivid and, and more and more symbolic. And then eventually uh, he began to have what we would now call spiritual experiences or, or waking visions and the ability to, to leave the body and go explore, uh, you know, the, the other side of reality, if you want to call it that. Um, and so this this changed the whole trajectory of his life. Um, he immediately began uh, writing about uh, what he'd encountered in the spiritual world and, and all the things he was being shown and all the things he was discovering. And, and from then on, I mean, that was, that was his career. Um, and so he wrote a ton, like I said, you know, there were, there were 27 volumes of material that, that came out of his, 
his spiritual experiences. And, and these are, you know, big volumes written in Latin, um, which was sort of the, the, the language of the day. You know, kind of English is kind of the, the language of the day today, and, and Latin was that back then. Um, so, you know, he uh, obviously, a lot of people had mixed reactions to, to him saying, oh, that there's, there's a spiritual world and, and you know, there's, there's a life after death and all kinds of stuff, but he was so moved by what he'd experienced that, that he never wavered from, from uh, publishing about that. And, and, and he said some really cool things, and so that's why I'm, uh, I'm interested in him and interested in trying to get people at that, that message that, that he brought. Tell me this, um, you know, when when I was first introduced to Swedenborg's works, um, I remember the moment of sitting back going, having that, why in the world have we not heard more about this guy? Yeah. It's like, um, and for, you know, and I would have considered myself fairly into the whole spiritual scene and very educated on that aspect of it, very well read. And until uh, it's, I mean, just a couple of years ago, um, I didn't know who he was. And I'm like, how on earth did that happen? I mean, I've been doing this for a long, long time and reading and getting my hands on as much information as possible. And and I find the same reaction from people when I speak about him now. Um, you know, they're going, who is that? How how do you think that happened? Because, I mean, it's not like the guy, you know, was a one-hit wonder and, you know, had one experience and, you know, wrote a couple of words about it. We're talking, like, miles of information here. Yeah. Um, what's your take on how um, how he remains so, you know, so behind the scenes, not well-known, you know, in this day and age? Yeah. I. It's a question I think about a lot because I, I work for the – Swedenborg Foundation, which is a nonprofit that is trying to get more exposure to Swedenborg's ideas. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how how come people don't haven't heard of him, uh, and and how can we get people interested? And I think one reason is because he was so prolific, and because he he brought so much information um, that it's it's so much to take in that it's hard to start. If that makes sense. Um, that, that he's yeah, it totally that, makes sense. Yes, he's reporting on he has things to say about the afterlife, but but not just a little bit. He has he has a ton to say about the afterlife. Um, so Kenneth Ring, you, you know, the term near death experience was uh, coined by Raymond Moody in his book Life After Life, and and uh, a guy that had worked with Raymond Moody and, and helped to found the International Association for Near Death Studies was Kenneth Ring. Uh, and, and Kenneth Ring wrote an introduction in, in a book that the Foundation published, and he said that uh, people who have had a near-death experience uh, peek th- through the door into the afterlife. But Swedenborg has explored the whole house. You know that it's uh, there, there's so much it, it gets down into all kinds of specifics, even like what kind of language do people use there? What do houses look like? Um, there, he just provides not and not only the external details, but Sort of the physics of the afterlife, and, and what, why, what, what controls distance there? What controls time there? There's so much to take in that that it can be daunting. And even though he he took great pains to try to write simply, you know, he was writing in Latin, but but the style of Latin that he wrote in uh, was unusual because it was so simple uh, for, for Latin. But still, just because of the nature of the language and the complexity of the topics that he talks about, still it comes across. 
as fairly complex stuff when somebody picks up a book. So I think that right there can be a barrier to entry. Because if I had never heard of somebody and it was like, oh, they wrote 27 books and here's a huge one to start with, it would be hard to get me to read that because I don't have anything to go on, no reason to trust that this is going to be worth my time. You know, so it really takes sort of running into someone else who's been like a, like a Washali who's you know on fire about it. Like, oh, this is so great. And that, that gives you a vote of confidence. Like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot at this. So I think that's one reason. Um, another reason is... Um, the, I think that the 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 language that he uses um, can per, can be a barrier to different people um, because he will use terms that terms like uh, church, you know, that that have a specific meaning to people uh, these days. But but he means something very different by it. You know, like when right. you hear about church and you think about oh, you're talking about like there's a church on my street that post like funny puns on its sign you know like like you're talking about a, an organization um and people have positive and negative reactions to that word but when he's talking about church he's both talking about external organizations but also about an internal state of mind that, that's cultivated whenever we are are loving and, and kind and empathetic so so sometimes people can pick it up and think he's talking about something but he's really talking about something else and they don't give it enough time so they just okay it's nothing um, so I think that that's that's one of the reasons, and um, and that uh, also I think he was ahead of his time, significantly ahead of his time, because the the ideas that he had and that he advocated back then are, are now only now really becoming mainstream. Um, the uh, the idea that uh, you know all it, that it's not about what religion you follow, but it's it's about your personal journey with kindness and just living in integrity with your own beliefs and that all of those are are enough any of those uh it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Worldviews are enough if you live in integrity in them to... to get you on a good path for the, the next life. I mean, that a lot of people think that nowadays, but, but back in, you know, in Sweden in the 1700s under Lutheran control, like, nobody, was really, uh, nobody was really thinking that. You know, and nowadays a lot of people believe in the idea of a spiritual world and, and spirits that are, you know, that we can interact with and that there's a presence there. But, but back in his day, you know, everyone's just like, you're crazy. You know, which you still get today, but not to the same extent. So... So those are a couple of thoughts on it. Does that all make sense? Yeah, completely. You know, I was just recently um, speaking at the Association for Research Enlightenment, um, you know, started by Edgar Casey, mm. and I found it a very similar type atmosphere. Um, 
you know, a lot of people will will go, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. And then they, you know, they actually don't know much about him at all. And mm-hmm. um, you stand in amidst the, you know, these volumes in the library, 14,000 plus readings um, with massive amounts of information. And the success rate at which, you know, people were able to heal themselves via the diagnosis and remedies that he, he gave while in his trance-like state, um, it's, it's enormous. And it's just really bizarre to me how so many people don't realize, you know, realize even who he is or have even been exposed to the idea until I sat in on a, a study group um, where this particular group studies his um, the readings that were based on Egypt. And very much like what you said, the, his his writing was, I mean, just prolific and um, the language um, in which he wrote might be for the average person to follow a little bit meaty, a little bit difficult to um, to digest. And it's very funny. We can be very, very lazy spiritually. Um, a lot of people want something that's easy, something that they don't have to work for, something that's just right in their face, and they have to understand that they don't really want to have to go and think about. And um, I don't know if you've ever found yourself reading something where, the difficulty level might be, you know, a bit of a stretch or slightly outside of your own comfort zone and you find yourself skimming. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've all had instances like that where we're reading and, um, and we do that. And I think a lot of people get to, you know, the works of, of the likes of Swedenborg and the likes of, likes of Edgar Casey. And when the language starts getting very heady, um, and almost in Casey's case, you know, biblical and nature as far as um, the language used um, that people begin to skim and they miss that basic premise. And so all they know is, oh, yeah, that's the guy who would go into a trance and diagnose people. And that's kind of the extent of what they know. Um, And the same with Swedenborg. You know, when I've asked people who are in the business, you know, who are really um, deeply involved in this and they're like, oh, he's that guy at me that had some afterlife experiences. And I'm like, wow, you know, yeah. It's a mind blower because, you know, I wonder when you say he was ahead of his time, you know, it's kind of like Casey as well. Was he ahead of his time or is there such a thing as ahead of his time? You know, um, we're we're only understanding the magnitude of what he was able to do. And I mean, that's, you know, I don't think he was just lucky. I think he was extraordinarily gifted, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think the the experiences that Swedenborg had and his capacity to put them on paper, that's that's a huge thing. You know, one yeah. thing is having the experience, but being able to relate that to people um, in a tangible, you know, real uh, manner in which they can relate to is, is another story. You know, and I mean, what is, you know, as you said, 27 volumes later, um, it's uh, it's just extraordinary. And I mean, the, you know, the more I know about him, the more I read about him, the more I learn about him, the more I love him. You know, so I understand why Shelley is such a yeah. great fan um, and, and you as well, because I can't picture a better message, you know, because it's not just that, oh, it's all lovely on the other side and everything is, is uh, love and light and you're floating on clouds and all. He gives detail. He gives... Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I guess I, I love and relate to that because in my own experience, you know, with my with my car accident, my memories of having died and come back are so vivid. And it wasn't just that lovely. I walked into the light and everything felt lovey dovey. It was the detail in which I was able to remember the experience. So I'm you know, always looking out for other individuals who've had that out of body after life, during life, life in between life experience who come back with more than just the, you know, the, the report of, oh, it was such a loving space. You know, do you remember the details? I, you yeah. know, because, because that was my experience and I felt very, um, almost kind of isolated because I'd never met anybody else really. I'd read one or two books with people who had had similar experiences, but, um, I take great interest in other people who had that capacity to connect that way. Um, and the significance of that, because it's still something that, you know, I'm, I'm still writing to this day, putting it all down. Um, and, um, you can see how there'd be volumes, volumes and volumes. And I actually use that expression to explain it to you. Everything that would happen would take volumes and yeah. it is taking volumes. Um, yeah. so I love the, I love that detail involved but you know again for the the lazy spiritualists it's um you know sometimes not something that they want to get that deeply involved in they just want to know the feeling they just want to know okay was it good over there is everything going to be okay you know or is is all well is it all love and they're you know not not interested in learning what it actually takes to evolve through the ranks there Mm-hmm. yeah and i something interesting about Swedenborg is that you know he was he grew up a scientist you know and, and he was very much enmeshed in that culture so with the duration of his experiences you know he he wasn't just like oh you know I had this experience um, and it was it was five years ago and it was, I still he, his experiences he, he was decades in he was able to access the spiritual world for decades continuously you know initially he was right. blown away by everything but he was able to you know if you as he reported. At, at will, constantly interact with the spiritual world, and and so he got over like the, as you're saying, all the the emotional overwhelm. Over he was still overwhelmed, you know, from time to time. But but he was able to just have it become so much so uh, normal, if you will, to him that he could really get into these details. And I find in those details, you find incredibly useful tools to to liberate um, yourself from the the day-to-day problems of life. I mean, like, these are psychological tools with which to navigate your own mind. This is a, a really tight, really elegant, really loving system of ethics that you can apply, you know, to, to your own conduct towards other people. This is a map of, of the, you know, a spiritual world and how how it works and, and what to expect and all kinds. There, there's so much that it gets into that you can really mine for, for details and, and for tools. Uh, and that's that's part of what I feel like is so useful about about what he put down. And I think you also had a very uh, in depth and real experience with with that that effect on your life personally. Did you not? Yeah, I mean, so I so yeah, I'm right now. My what I'm doing for work is to try to spread Swedenborg's ideas, um, and uh, you know. I, to be doing that in integrity, I have to believe that they have something to offer to the world, you know, and and I I feel that they do because I, you know, yeah, I've I've been using his tools and they they have been a lifeline for me because, um, 
you know, I've through them I've been able to to navigate through you know all kinds of what all the kinds of stuff that I was dealing with, uh, you know, de- depression, obsessive compulsive, um, all all kinds of uh, anxiety, and I you know had had various if you want to call them breakdowns. I mean, I was still able to be doing things, but but I really had a lot of rough patches, uh, you know, or my you know like right around the turn of twenty, you know, and and that was a tough world, and and he, his stuff was this this sort of path, you know, this light, and continually got me out of things, and still is the most potent thing that I have in my arsenal, dealing with the the daily uh, struggles, you know, that, that a lot of people are going through. Uh, I continually find that, hey, wait, this, this works, um, this works really well, and so so I feel for other people that are struggling in the same way, and, and I want to, anybody who had experienced anything that... Um, that help them with the problem. You immediately want to pass that help along to others who are going through the same thing. I think that's just it's just natural because you have an an empathy for people who are you, you know what that's like, and you also know what it feels like to to be helped, to gain comfort and relief, and and so you want to pass that along. So I feel like there's the potential for that, and I see it. You know, in the work that I'm doing, I'm you know a lot of I'm putting a lot of people in contact with these ideas, and, and they'll say like, oh, this has been so helpful for me. So that that is, it's the point. It's, it's why anybody's doing spirituality is to try to relieve suffering, you know, in themselves and in other people. So when you can see it work, it's cool. It's, it's the coolest thing, because what, what is more potent and meaningful in, in the human experience than being able to, to gain some relief from the things that are troubling us? I mean, that's our most in, intimate part of life, is this, this inner world that we have, and, and the, the struggles and the pain, and, and the good things, too. But, but to be able to get a hand up there is is what we're all looking for, and it's an awesome thing to try to help deliver to people. And I think that, um, if I'm correct, didn't Swedenborg himself experienced somewhat of a, a spiritual crisis, you know, where he went through, you know, the feelings of unworthiness and um, had, um, you know, many dreams um, that walked him through this process. That yeah, that that is correct. And there's actually, you know, one of the, the takeaway messages is that humility is incredibly valuable um, because because pr- sort of pride, you know, or like um, yeah, having unhealthy, unhealthily high self-esteem and can, looking down on other people in comparison with ourselves is a is a serious detriment to to connection with God and with spirit. Um, and and he had a, a good amount of that because as I said before, he was really, really exceptionally talented, you know. So so naturally he was feeling like, well, I'm I'm pretty cool. You know, like I'm I'm a lot cooler than a lot of people. So he he wasn't like a, a bad person, but but he was just, you know, uh, he was had some an arrogant streak in him. And so yeah, one of his and it, you know, as this, before this awakening could happen, he had to that had to be lifted, you know. Um and and it it's the same thing in all of it. We we all have various things that stand in the way. Um and, and really things that can seem like, oh, why is this happening to me? Like you know, like the the breakdown that, that he was having or, or the hard things that come your way. Wow, oh, this is terrible. But but there there can be a gift in there, which the gift is to to soften or ease our our feelings of like, oh, I'm I'm better than, than other people and self reliance and only and kind of give us this sense of like, okay, like there's there's some there's a higher power that can help me and and to just realize that I'm not I'm not 
better than anyone else, you know, and, and to, to come to that realization, that, that allows the good stuff to flow in. So he, he had to walk the path just like anyone else, and, and he was very glad that he did because the life he found on the other side was, was infinitely more fulfilling than his, his life before the, everything started. Absolutely. You know, and again, to be able to access that ability to tap in, if you will, at will. Yeah. Um, to be able to share that kind of information, to write it down and not to keep the experiences to himself, to actually put them down in a matter in which he could share, you know, whether it was for the people around him at the time or the people of future generations to come. Um, you know, that was a massive undertaking. And, um, you know, I have. I've OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Great respect for somebody to do that. And Todd, he, he went through some charges of heresy, didn't he? Yeah, man. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't say the, you couldn't say that non-Christians can go to heaven in his day, you know? Um, he, he, he did. I, you know, yeah, it was back then the, the church and the, the government were the same thing. So, um, you know, if, if, uh, you, you said something that didn't line up with, with current Christian doctrine, uh, you were, you were taking a risk. Um, he, he was, on trial, but he never got, um, you know, kicked out of his country or imprisoned or anything like that. Um, he partially because he was pretty well connected, but but also they just they just couldn't didn't get him. Um, but yeah, he definitely suffered a lot of blowback for for saying what he was saying, you know. And he he was saying that yeah, that, that love is the most important thing. All, all these kinds of things um, that that weren't really being taught uh, in his day. And, and so, yeah, he, he did face some charges for that. I'll tell you another thing that really fascinates me about him. Um, you know, again, I go back to the Edgar Casey place, um, the ARE, when I was not speaking this last time, but probably the first time I was ever there. And the impact um, that it made on me when I was standing in front of the couch where he used to lay down to do his trance work. Um, and the tour guide who just had my mother and I with him, nobody else was in with us. He said, go on over and lift the cover up off the couch. And I went and I lifted the cover up and there was this battered, tattered, old looking thing. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks because for me, um, you know, after having my experiences, you know, and um, now working, you know, one to one facilitating the healing process for people, um, it's it's heavy work and transferring that information to people in a way that they can understand, trying to meet them where they are on their path, um, things that they can digest, you know, at this point in their journey. Um, you know, you're always kind of walking that fine line of, of, of trying to to do the most honorable thing for the individual. And um, I remember looking at that couch going, oh, my gosh, you know, and he was 66 years old when he died and he was literally worn out. He was exhausted because he was doing these readings for people. Um, and he was constantly tapping into that side and accessing that 
something happened on that day for me where I looked and I went, okay, I'm, I've got this same ability. I can, I can tap in. Um, but boy, I don't want to go out at 66 because my own grandfather who also had this same ability died at 66 and he just dropped dead from sheer exhaustion. And, you know, it really struck me and I find it interesting. Um, Swedenborg was 84 when he passed away and I'm like, okay, I want to know what was in his soup. You know, what was he doing that allowed him to continuously access that because he obviously was doing it in a manner that wasn't wearing on his own physical body. Now, one difference being that I don't think he was going out then and going into trance or laying hands on individuals and doing this. He was basically just kind of downloading the information. So I wonder if the physical transfer of that information, sort of say like with the work that Edgar Casey does or the work that I do in the healing sessions, has any you know, any influence on um, the longevity as far as the wear and tear of the physical body. Um, I've always found that very fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about. Uh, yeah, I know that for him it, it became so effortless that, that he was really a dual citizen. You know, he 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 was able to be in. He in walked both, in both worlds. Yeah, simultaneously, um, and he would even see the way that that they interacted, and yeah, it didn't seem to uh, have any kind of uh, draining effect on him. He actually, at one point, he I, I believe he was uh, traveling by by ship um, back to Britain, or I think he was in London at the time, and uh, he stopped having contact with the spiritual world. And it really bugged him, you know, and he was really happy when it came back at the end of the trip. Uh, it just, he just become so used to it, you know. <laughs> um, it was just, just, just like living is for all of us. And, and that also he, even though it profoundly changed him in his life, it didn't really interrupt him. As in he was, yeah, still yes. able to prolifically write and publish. He didn't lose any of, he, he was still with it, you know. He was still going out and socializing with people. He was still participating in society. Actually, even after all that spiritual experience and, and all of his publishing of it, the last thing that he ever wrote was uh, a piece, a document for for the Swedish mining industry, which he'd been involved with, and, and advice on where to go and what to do. So he was still very, very plugged into the world. Um, and that was mm-hmm. part of the message that he brought back, is that, you know, really a, a spiritual life is one where we're, we're not isolated from everyone around us, but we're involved and we're helping and we're, we have the good of, of everyone and the good of society and the good of our, our fellow humans on our minds. And we're looking that, that that is a connection to the spirit to be thinking of how can I help? Because that, that is aligning yourself with it. That's the same way the divine is flowing is looking. How can I bring real tangible good to people? And what can I do? You know? Absolutely. No, I, yeah. I have great respect for that, you know, and I flew in the door here to get get home in time for the radio show because I was at my uh, my daughter's dance class um, where they're working on the end of the year show singing Annie songs um, and having such a laugh, you know, and then last night I would have been up to one o'clock in the morning trying to get deadlines done for Simon and Schuster. And um, that's real life. That's the balance, you know, and then I'm in work today and I'm talking to uh talking to the dead and regressing people into, you know, 803 BC. And I think for me, that fuels my passion and keeps me going and keeps me alive, well and healthy 
um, that literally having one foot in this world and one foot in the other, um, you know, and being able to carry on with mom duties and doing things like packing lunch boxes and taking out the trash, um, you know, and then in the next breath, speaking to the dead, you know, or taking a little trip to the other side. Um, I love how you put it in, in, in one of your works, um, a day trip to the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think and that's it, fantastic. Yeah. It's, and you think about it. Um, there has to be an element of, of service or of help with it because it's like, all right, so, you know, right now we, we all can interact with everybody in this world, in the physical world. You know, everybody can talk to each other and, and we, and it's the world and it's, it still has all kinds of problems and good things, but, but there's a lot going on with it. And even if, if suddenly everybody could talk to everyone in the spiritual world, um, but yet there was no change in attitude. You know, there was no, oh, we want to help each other. If there's no, no increase of love, we'd end up in the same situation, you know, of like, uh, okay, well, there's all these problems, and, and some things are good and some things are bad. It, it's part of that, the connection with the, the Spirit. You know, is that what you're talking about? Of uh, Okay, how can I be a helpful person, and how can I use this connection to make other people's lives better? Well, I think, as he said, you know, a life of religious devotion without kindness is not a spiritual life at all. Yes, absolutely. And he was, and, and to, to him, to publish that, um, at the time, what was a big deal because uh, really the, the reigning doctrine of the church that he was in was faith is what saves us, um, and what we do doesn't matter. Um, and so he was surrounded by people who you know said, okay, well I've I've you know done what I need, I've, I've said the right prayer, and now I'm I'm saved. And they would just go and and just be really really uh, really mean people. You know, and they because they they thought I'm covered, you know, um, and that that was a reality exactly. in the world that he was living in, and and that that actually their their religious system was actually blinding them because because they thought they had it locked up, there, there was no impetus to take a look at themselves and see like how am I affecting people, are uh, what am I, which of my behaviors are dysfunctional? What do I need to? How do I improve? And how do I help the world? Because they thought, all right, it's already taken care of. You know, I, I already am religious. You know, and so that kind of fills that that you know their their sort of derived doctrine filled that niche in them, of which is the longing to to be better and, and change and grow. It, it kind of plugged that up, you know, and that that's the danger of what he would call faith separate from love. Any any religious system or ethical system or or whatever, if you if you divorce it from love, if there's not this impetus to to use it to better the world and better yourself, it can become a serious hazard because it it, it stunts your spiritual growth and makes you think, okay, I don't need to improve because I've already got it going on, but but really you can be living a life that, that's just having a detrimental effect on on yourself and other people. So. It was a big deal to him, and that was one of the things that, that he was getting in trouble for saying, is that, hey, man, this, the, the whole point of all this, the whole point of all the knowledge that we have, it, he, he would say that, that, that knowledge is useless unless it's applied to life, that, that wisdom is the application of knowledge to life. So unless, uh, you know, all, all this stuff that he learned in all of his spiritual experiences and all of his communications, the only way it was u- that, that it was useful is if he was taking what he learned in and using it to improve 
him as a person and, and contribute to the world. Like that's where you really get um, that's where the rubber meets the road and you really get results. Well, faith without works is, is dead. Yeah, exactly. And um, he was, uh, you know, I think he epitomized that. And also there's something that you did that, that just absolutely tickled me. Um, and I loved the title of it. The religion means nothing if you're still a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so that, that was basically, it's a, it's a little music video that we released. It's, it's basically, you know, saying what I said there. And, and I felt especially compelled to, to make that video because I deal with the backlash from, uh, you know, centuries of this sort of faith without love. You know, that, that um, like you were saying that with, with Casey, that he has biblical kind of language or whatever, and that, that turns people off. And all the time, you know, because Swedenborg w- w- spoke in a lot of religious terminology and all that, and, but pe- a lot of people have really negative associations with that. And rightly so. I mean, yes. you think about you. You hear because you, you hear about these Westboro churches and all this negative stuff that that organized religion has done. And so I'll get people that are coming on to to, uh, to these places where I'm promoting Swedenborg, and they just see anything that looks religious, and they're like, "Oh, this is you know, this is this is trash. I don't want this." And religion is evil, and all. and, and I, so I'm dealing with the fallout from that all the time. You know, so so to me, like it's it, it's one of the things that's hindering getting Swedenborg's message out is this that that you had all these people doing terrible things in the name of religion so I, I think it's a it was one of the points that one of the lines Swedenborg drew in the sand you know is to say you can't say that you're on this tra- this this spirituality or religion train if you're not living the, living the life you know of integrity and of, of kindness and all that so so uh, you know because I I have you if you just go on the web you just just even go to YouTube and search religion I mean, all the, the first things that come up are all negative reactions to religion. You know, people saying that you know, this is this caused so much trouble. Why do we need it? All this stuff. So, so that's the world I'm in. You know, and so I need to try to sh- differentiate and say, wait, wait, wait. The, the, you know, this this is something different. You know, the, the ethics are are an indispensable part of it. Yeah, you can't just religion means nothing if you've got it, but you're still a jerk. It didn't accomplish its mission. Absolutely. You know, and it, well, it's kind of like in my, in my arena, um, people tend to listen to me because I have doctor in front of my name, which I think is just so hysterical. Um, you know, because so many people have had these amazing, valuable, valid experiences. And then someone comes along, you know, Evan Alexander, the neurosurgeon has had such great success with his book, Proof of Heaven. Um, because number one, he's a neurosurgeon and, People have a, a, you know, a lot more faith in the fact that his experience would be more valid because he was uh, polar opposite of the experiences that he actually reported um, having, you know, and that this in some way makes his experiences more valid. And I just it just tickles me the way that, you know, somebody would turn off if like if you went back and actually studied the life of Swedenborg and realized, I mean, the man was a scientist before he was anything and, uh, you know, and looked at how really the experiences that he had and the capacity that he had to to travel into this space um, was so not uh, a religious thing. It was so not a scientific thing. It was just a Swedenborg thing. It was right, his own right. personal experience of 
how he related to the other side. And yet, even now, all of these years later, we tend to pigeonhole his experience, you know, as good or bad based on whether you're standing outside and seeing him from the religious side or you're standing outside seeing him from the scientific side or you've got your doctor hat on or you've got your, you know, religious fanatic hat on, whichever one. Um, and it's so funny how we react that way. Yes, that, that's a great point and, and well said. And I, I think that, you know, Swedenborg had a quote where he said, I'm well aware that people will say that nobody can talk to spirits and angels while he's still alive in the body. And that people will say that I've just made these things up to to get famous or to win people over or so on. But by this I am not deterred, for I have seen, I have heard, I have felt. And it's it's really just a guy talking about what happened to him in his life, which is what, what we're all doing. Um, and it's interesting that Absolutely. you mentioned, uh, yeah, you mentioned even Alexander. He was just here um, in the in the, the the borough that I'm in, um, giving a speech because some local Swedenborgian groups had uh, gotten him to come out and, and give a talk uh, just just up the street from where I am now. Um, and so that was cool. I got to see him talk, and actually, um, uh, someone who works at the foundation with me got to spend a lot of time with him in person, um, and and just had good things to say about him. So it was just cool to, because, you know, in some ways there are some parallels between um, even Alexander's journey and, and Swedenborg's, uh, just in that, you know, that yeah, they were both primarily scientists, but suddenly had this experience that made it so they, they can't go back. You know, they, 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 everything's changed for them. So that was just, I just thought right. it was interesting that you mentioned him. Yeah, and that's the same, well, the same thing that happened with me. And, you know, it's funny because his experience only happened, you know, just a couple of years ago. And um, right. now he's just written about that. And he and I have the same publisher. And I remember sitting in New York on Fifth Avenue, sitting on the couch as I was meeting with the head of Simon & Schuster. And she goes, you, you you know, about six months ago, even Alexander was sitting where you were sitting right there. You know, like, and I was like, wow, you know. Yeah. And I'm after having read his story, I'm like, you know, my story happened like 20 something years ago. And it's really funny how it's kind of come full circle. And, you know, we're both from Virginia. Um, you know, he's only from about an hour and 15 minutes down the road from where I'm from. I know people who, you know, live next door to him kind of way. Yeah. It's such a small world. Um, but I do remember that being a selling point that she said, you know, well, he's got doctor in front of his name and so do you. People are going to listen. And I went, wow, how sad. You know, yeah. I remember that moment so well going, gosh, you know, that that would make me any more valid as a human being, you know, um, or more believable uh, because of that. I mean, if anything, I'd <laughs> I'd say it detracts from it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I find that interesting. Listen, um, Curtis, we have a question in the chat room um, sure. from Rose, and she wanted to know if Swedenborg had the ability to bilocate. Okay, and what do you mean by bilocate? Well, I suppose she's talking – well, for me, I guess I'm interpreting um, kind of Padre Pio style, you know, where people could report seeing seeing him in one place, and yet he might be off having an experience somewhere else at the same time. Is there any yeah. detail or research um, on, like, when he would go into his day trips, you know, his sojourns onto the other side, um, was he always sleeping? Was his body in one place, or what, could he have been yeah. somewhere else when this was taking place? What's happening there? Okay. Well, I have a couple things to say about that. Um, 
Okay. You know, I there are, I don't know of any reports of people seeing him in multiple locations. You know, like, oh, hey, we, we were hanging out with Swedenborg uh, over here. No no way, I was hanging out with him over here. Like, oh, I, he was I don't, down the pub with me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, the, uh, so usually when he was, you know, having, or, or at times when he was having his experiences, he, he had a little segment on the different kinds of experiences you can have, and one was what he called being led away in the spirit. And that was where he would be walking somewhere and suddenly start having this spiritual experience. And when it finished up, his and he came back to his physical body, he was in a completely different part of the city. Like his body had kept walking along while he was having this, and he doesn't know how he got there. You know, and he said that he, he had that a few times, although normally he would, he would be conscious both of where he was physically and where he was spiritually. Um, However, also that the bilocate that you're talking about, he described that as a very common phenomenon in the spiritual world, as in spirits there could um, try to ma- to make it appear like they were somewhere where they weren't, you know. And he would he would find that um, spirits with harmful intent would do this because they would try to make it seem like they're over there to get away from. Uh, you know, a retribution for whatever harmful things they were doing. Um, so he definitely described that uh, on a lot of occasions in the spiritual world um, and had, had sort of similar things, but, but uh, yeah, I don't know of any time when there were simultaneous reports of people on this in this world seeing him in different places. Okay, so there's nothing where he um, he didn't necessarily have to be in a certain state or place. Like, Okay, so again, we go back to Edgar Casey. He was always in that trance-like state. This wouldn't just like he wouldn't be eating in his local McDonald's and all of a sudden go into a trance. This was something he purposely went into and then would would create this this separate state of of uh, our altered state well, of awareness. Um, you know, and like for me, I do it at will. It's not something that comes over me and all of a sudden, you know, like I've gone blank and I'm, you know. I wake up in the shopping center in the middle of town. Yeah. Um, so are there, you know, are there reports like, did he have a method to this or, yeah. you know, um, uh, it was it random. He, he had, I think the entire gambit of experiences. His primary, okay. um, his primary thing was that he would be able to be in both worlds at once. As in he would be walking down, um, you know, just a street, in in the world and be able to hear and see everything like we can um but but he would also be aware of spirits that were present and what they were saying what they were you know um doing and and discussing so he would be able to kind of see both at the same time there are other times when it yeah. seems like when he would be meditating or something like that and he would be you know completely on a journey into the other world you know where where he would go and and I don't know um if what what his body was doing then he doesn't really talk about that um but but where he'd be all his senses would be absorbed in what he was seeing and, and hearing and feeling in on the other side uh and then there was <clears throat> just he said it just happened once or twice that thing i described about he'd be somewhere else just, and he said it, it only happened so he could be yeah. shown what it was like you know but but primarily um, and he was he would he was always plugged in like even when he was at his desk writing um, there would be spirits commenting on it, you know, um, saying like, or, or if because if if there were spirits with harmful intent, they'd try to disrupt what he was doing, you know. So he was he was always always plugged in, no matter what he was doing. Right. 
Yeah. Never lonely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, he would talk about it. He said people, people in the world think that, that they're alone, but, but we're never alone. I mean, the, the, human, no. the human community is completely interconnected in all these ways that we don't realize. Um, the human community being in this world and in the next, it's all it's part of one big whole. And, and we, we live uh, much more communally than, than we imagine we do when we're, when we're in this world. Amen. Absolutely. That's why I say, to, you know, if, if I had one wish, it's not so much that people could do what I do, but that they could see what I can see. Um, you know, it would take away so much fear and so much despair. And the idea that, you know, that somebody has one chance to reach enlightenment in this one body and one incarnation in 80 years, you know, the, the fear that would be removed when they would see the world around us, you know, if they just wipe the fog off the glass and see the other side, do you know? And, yeah. um, you know, very much so what he was experiencing there. That's, that's what I'd love for people to be able to see it's, and to have that feeling of security going, look, this is just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there and it's everywhere. It's all around us. Um, yeah. listen, Curtis, where can you believe we're almost at the end of the show? I just want like you that. to, uh, Please tell everybody who's interested in you and what you're doing this, about the Swedenborg Foundation. And if people want to get in touch with you or have questions sure. about how to get more involved in this material, how can they contact you? Yeah, I, I work for the Swedenborg Foundation, which is a, a nonprofit group that it translates and, and reprints Swedenborg's works and has some other initiatives. Uh, the, the ones that I'm working on, uh, I'm doing a series of short videos that, that illustrate the topics that, that come up in Swedenborg's works. And uh, you can find me there at youtube.com slash off the left eye. And that, that off the left eye is a reference to an experience that Swedenborg had in, in the gaining of spiritual sight. Um, so that, that's our, our video series. I also run a, a, a large discussion group around the afterlife um, on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash heaven and hell Swedenborg. And it's called Heaven and Hell because that was the title of one of his books, his best-selling book. Um, and that's just a place where we, we have stuff from Swedenborg and people just gather um, uh, to, to discuss experiences that they've had and all that. Um, either of those you can, you can get to by going to Swedenborg.com, which is the, the foundation's um, site. So, and, yeah, and from there you can, you can find ways to get in, in touch with me if you want to email me or something. Uh, off the left eye at gmail.com is a way to do it. But just go to Swedenborg.com. You should be able to plug yourself in to, to all of that. That's fantastic because, I mean, I'm getting a lot of questions in the chat room here. I know there are people who are extremely interested and find all of this absolutely fascinating. And, again, it's like Christmas, you know. You're like, are you kidding me? This guy did all of this, and I've never yeah. heard of him. And, yeah. it's, you know, I felt that way when I was first introduced to him myself. And, you know, Curtis Childs can't thank you enough, and uh, we give our love to you and the lovely Brooke, and um, can't wait to have you back on the show again, and um, we just thank you so much for being here with us, and that was, a, as always, a fascinating conversation, and um, hopefully everybody will go and have a look at the Swedenborg Foundation and Off the Left Eye on YouTube.com, and... We really, really thank you for being here, sweetheart. I can't thank you enough. <laughs> thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to You Are What You Love with author Waishali. 
to order Waishali's book, You Are What You Love, or to schedule a private self-emergent session with Waishali, visit youarewhatyoulove.com. Thanks for joining us, and remember, you are what you love, and you love whatever you give your attention to. So love wisely.